The Holy Gospel for this day comes from Mark chapter 7. Now when the Pharisees and some of the scribes who had come from Jerusalem gathered around Jesus, they noticed that some of his disciples were eating with defiled hands, that is, without washing them. For the Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they thoroughly wash their hands, thus observing the tradition of the elders. And they do not eat anything from the market unless they wash it. And there are also many other traditions that they observe, the washing of cups, pots, and bronze kettles. So the Pharisees and the scribes asked Jesus, Why do your disciples not live according to the tradition of the elders, but eat with defiled hands? Jesus said to them, Isaiah prophesied rightly about you hypocrites, as it is written, This people honors me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching human precepts as doctrines. You abandon the commandment of God and hold to human tradition. Then he called the crowd again and said to them, Listen to me, all of you, and understand. There is nothing outside a person that by going in can defile. But the things that come out are what defile. For it is from within, from the human heart, that evil intentions come. Fornication, theft, murder, adultery, avarice, wickedness, deceit, licentiousness, envy, slander, pride, folly. All these things, evil things, come from within, and they defile a person. This is the gospel of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. We hear that gospel word that it is not the things that come into us, but the lives we live in the world that are our expression of faith. And it is with that word that we have the opportunity today to hear from two of the people who traveled with our group from Holy Spirit to Tanzania. I'm going to share the name of all of those who names of all of those who were on the trip. Any of you who are here, please stand. Uh, Pastor Mary Alice Burley, Becky Fowler, Mike Headley, Karen Nelson. Marilyn Newcomer, and Susan Worthen. <laughs> now Susan and Pastor Mary Alice are going to share today, but each of those folks has great stories uh, about what they learned and encountered on the trip. And so I hope that at some point you will find them and ask them about what they experienced. As well, we hope in the next few months to have a longer time for uh, both stories and also the thousands more photos uh, that are available to us. Uh, and we'll look for that on the calendar um, at some point in the next few months. But for now, uh, we're excited to have Pastor Mary Alice and Susan with us today. Now, a couple of notes about where you're sitting. Our technology at Holy Spirit is surprisingly limited. So this is the best we can do. Um, if you can't see where you are sitting, please feel free to move. You can go back to your regularly scheduled seat if you feel better about that later. Um, and especially kids. Kids, if you can't see the pictures from where you are, there's places up in the front. You can even sit on the floor here. Um, if you can sit quietly enough during the stories, parents are welcome to come up to. We want you to be able to see the pictures. So please feel free to move. Uh, and we'll invite Susan and Pastor Mary Alice to begin. Uh, thank you, Pastor Katie. Um, first and foremost, the whole team that went to Africa would like to thank all of you who contributed computers, classroom supplies, 
and money that was received with joy and thanksgiving by the headmaster of the Maasai Girls School, the secondary school, the elementary school, and of course the students and uh, at the medical facilities we visited. The additional money you contributed was divided and given to the plaster house, the nurses training school, and the secondary school where it was received with delight and gratitude. There were three suitcases full of school supplies. Your generosity is amazing and will also buy some much needed textbooks. There's one textbook for every four students at the school. You truly made a difference. The computers were especially welcome and immediately put to use. The two iPads will be presented to the top two students at their graduation this coming June. Uh, we also want to thank you for your prayers and support while we were in Africa. Girls School and what you experienced there. I would be happy to, but first of all, I want to tell you all that I am a kindergarten teacher retired, so I'm much more comfortable talking to five and six-year-olds, so I'll just kind of look out and pretend you're really five and six-year-olds. But then last night at home as I was getting ready for this talk with you, I flipped the calendar on my Thrivent calendar, and look what September showed, but reflecting Christ and his love, and there's a picture of zebras, just like my favorite animal on the recent trip to Africa, and I thought, oh, God's reaching out, touching me, telling me, it's okay, Susan, you're gonna do just fine. <laughs> so, let me tell you about going to the school. We arrived early Sunday morning, for worship services. Granted, I couldn't wear something like this to worship services. We had to wear a long skirt and dressed appropriately. As we walked down the pathway to the chapel, there was a steady drumbeat of one of the girls playing a welcoming message to all of us coming. I was surprised. I wasn't expecting the chapel to be an open-air facility, but it was, and benches sloping down towards the altar. And when we walked in and we sat down and we looked around, we thought, oh, this really is a Lutheran church, and it felt very familiar and very comfortable with banners and a cross and the pulpit and whatnot. The service was in Swahili, so of course part of it was hard for us to understand, but the music we could recognize and appreciate as the Maasai Girls Choir sang songs and the Swahili Choir sang other songs, and then we all joined in at different times. We could recognize by familiarity the creed and the Lord's Prayer as the service continued. And interestingly enough, during that service, there was a lot of participation from the girls. All of a sudden, one girl would stand up and do some reading. And then before you, she finished, another girl st stood up and was sharing and doing some readings. And I'm not sure how it was all orchestrated, but it was beautifully done. And I couldn't help but think, I wonder what that would be like if we'd had that here in this church. How do you think the pastors would do with that? Not something we see very often here. We did have a translation of the sermon into English, so that helped us, and I think it gave the girls a practice. And the message from the pastor for that day was, time is a precious gift from God. You must use it wisely because you can't get it back. Something for all of us to think about. After the two-hour service, I was excited to meet the girl that we co-sponsor. Her name is Helen, and the reason we hadn't met her earlier was she was singing in the Maasai Choir a beautiful angelic sounding choir by the way. She came and quietly came up to me and kind of looked at me and I instantly recognized her because we'd exchanged photos and greeted each other warmly. I had tears in my eyes. I think she had tears in her eyes as well as we became acquainted. I showed her a little photo book that I'd brought from home with pictures of my family, a little bit about Kirkland and where I lived. 
the girls were always very curious. Do you have children? I think family is very important. They wanted to know about our children. They also wanted to know how old we were. So, you know, you, you tell them how old you are. And one of the members of our um, group, she's 70. So she said, I'm 70. And the girl gasped. <gasps> but, but you look so strong. We took that as a compliment, maybe meaning that people age differently in their family. The girls took us on a tour of the school, very proudly, I must tell you. And although it doesn't look like what a high school would look like around here, it was very obvious that they were excited to share their library, to show us their textbooks. And by the way, Helen's favorite subjects are physics, chemistry, biology, which I'm thinking, oh my goodness, how am I going to relate? And then she said geography, which I could definitely look at the geography book and talk about where I lived compared to where she lived and whatnot. But it was wonderful to see their enthusiasm about school. They continued to show us around the campus to the kitchens and the dining areas and even to their dormitories where the girls share multi-aged dormitories, two bunk beds. It looked spotless. And I kind of looked and thought, wow, it's really nice and clean. And then I looked, I said, oh, do you have inspections or checks on your room? They nodded their heads. The girls had done their laundry. It was hanging out on the line. Some of their laundry was even draped over the bushes around to dry. Very interesting to see. They showed us the classrooms, which were Spartan, but you could tell that it was important where they were having their classes, and they also had a computer lab as well. One thing I noticed as we talked to these girls, they knew that they were privileged to be going to this girls' school. They had high aspirations about their life and where they were going. They were motivated, directed, and excited about their future. So I know that you did other things in addition to visiting the school. Pastor Mary Alice is going to tell us a little bit about some of the other places that you visited. Uh, thanks, Pastor Katie. The heart and soul of the work of the Lutheran Church in Tanzania is, first of all, amazing. Uh, but it had, in large part is due to the missionary Dr. Mark Jacobson, who over 22 years has been the driving force in creating the medical facilities we visited. He had this to say to us, to be healthy to the Messiah is part, partially spiritual. To be healthy is to be whole. It means to be in the right relationship with God and with others. And he went on to say, we in the West have much to learn from a people who have such an integrated holistic understanding of life and health. His commitment is a valuable lesson how one person can and does make a huge difference in Tanzania. One of the most moving and difficult places we visited was the Plaster House. It was incredible. It is a modern short and intermediate term rehabilitation facility for children following orthopedic and plastic surgery that provides corrective surgery for skeletal deformities due to too much fluoride in the water, it's called fluorosis, that has replaced polio as the leading cause of deformities in the area. There are in Tanzania 500,000 children suffering from these abnormal skeletal deformities that make it very difficult, for example, for them to walk. They also uh, do surgeries for club foot, cleft palate, cleft lip, burn scars, and injuries. It means these children can walk again or at least walk without pain. It has a capacity of 100 children, all of whom are provided not only with medical care, but nutritious meals and education with a Montessori trained teacher and volunteer. And they are amazing too. We did struggle. 
as we observed how much these children had endured and were enduring with countless surgeries. Before they reached this place for the first time, they had, an, they had never had an opportunity to live a more normal life. Most heart-wrenching for all of us was Gloria, a girl with horrible facial burns caused by scalding hot water. She will go undergo many, many surgeries. And as you might expect, as you see photos of the uh, plaster house, no photos were allowed in the facility of the children. These children and their caretakers are etched in our minds and our memories. We also visited the Arusha Lutheran Medical Center School of Nursing. In Tanzania, there is a 50% deficit in the number of trained nursing staff. The goal of the school is to help overcome this deficit and recruit local students, such as the graduates of our girls' school, into nursing and serving in their hospitals. It is with the philosophy that nursing must never just be a job, but is always a calling from God. The mission of the school is preparing nurses who apply their skills and knowledge to improve the lives of others. Sadly, we met one young student who, lacking the $500 tuition, was being allowed to take the year-end exam, but not to continue her training. It brought home to me and to us how relatively little money can make such a difference in a person's life. We also visited the Celian Lutheran Hospital. With the help of funds raised in the United States, Dr. Jacobson has overseen the construction of this state-of-the-art facility that is the very best in the region. The hospital treats people of all faiths. Almost all who show up at the hospital are extremely poor. There is no medical insurance. But all are cared for, whether they be Hindu, Muslim, or Christians. For something to be free in the Maasai language is the same word as being worthless or having no value. So families are asked to contribute a little bit toward their care. It is an expression of our gospel reading today, a focus on caring for others and living in the spirit of the way Jesus teaches us how to live for others. Dr. Jacobson feels strongly that God is a part of the healing, and this greatly strengthens his faith. The staff actually gathers together each morning, and we join them for a time of prayer and worship. They call the prayer the first medicine that they give each day. Visiting each place was a lesson in love, commitment, faith, and doing the work of Christ in a most meaningful way. So Susan, you mentioned earlier about Helen, the student that you and Pastor Mary Alice sponsored. Could you tell us a little more about sponsoring and what a difference that makes for students? Sure. First of all, I think it's really important for you to know that this girls' school was established at the request of the Maasai mothers who wanted a school for their girls. As you can understand, education is not... Uh, quite the same as it is here in our country, and oftentimes girls hadn't been included in education. So this education offers these girls a chance for a brighter future, which is for themselves, for their family, and their community as well. It's been found that education for these girls will triple a woman's income, which she will reinvest 90% back into her family. With a secondary education, a woman will marry later and will have 2.2 fewer children. She's seven times less likely to contract HIV or AIDS with an education, and her children will have a 40% chance of living to the age of five. 
So it makes a difference in a lot of different areas. Since 1999, more than 650 girls have graduated from the girls' school. And when I say graduated, it's typically form four, which is our equivalent to grade 11. 300 grads have received post-secondary training at colleges, universities, and vocational schools, so now they're out working in the community. They might be in the healthcare, like she was talking about with the nurses, or teachers, business, tourism. The school is highly respected so that although many of the students are sponsored, it also is so well recognized that some families send their students and pay the tuition themselves. For the scholarships, Pastor Mary Alice and I share a sponsorship, and $85 per month, $100 per year, would cover a full year's room and board, fees, books, supplies, and uniforms from Form 1 through Form 4. Post-secondary school, which would be like about 12th in our 13th grade equivalent, would be $1,200 per year kind of an amazing value when we think about what education costs for us around here. And it's truly making a difference in the lives of so many of these girls. So I know that, that you also experienced uh, some other things uh, while you were in Tanzania. Have you guys noticed any animals in the, what kind, what kind of animals did you see? Zebras. There we go. Zebras. Hey, there we go. You see elephants. Yes. yes. So tell us about some of the other things that you did as okay. well. Okay. So I was really excited when it was time to go on safari. So we left the city of Arusha. And as we're driving, we had the same driver the whole time, which was wonderful because he was a resource of many, much information. We could ask him questions of all kinds. And as we're driving, we're driving along, and all of a sudden you realize there are the Maasai young men with their cows and goats and their long robes, just like you've seen in pictures, the blue, the red, maybe the black, even young boys with their sticks, helping to make sure that their animals are moving along to the destination. Even sometimes we had to stop the vehicle because they would cross the highway. I mean, it's just, there they are, and here comes the cows, and you just slow down and whatnot. Finally, we got to the national park, and we're starting to see animals. We're seeing the impalas. We're seeing a few zebras. And it's not like you're at the zoo seeing two zebras. It's like there's, you know, maybe there's 50 of them. And then the wildebeests. And if you haven't seen wildebeests, they are the goofiest looking animal. My dad says God must have gotten mixed up because he started one creation and then he finished with another creation. But we saw zebras. We saw baby elephants with mamas going through ponds, splashing in the water, just like you like to play in the water. There they would be. We saw baby giraffes with their mamas. We saw baboons, whole huge groups, and they'd be hanging on their mamas and climbing on their backs and whatnot. So you saw, just like in humanity, mothers taking care of their little ones, the older ones protecting. And then the thing that really struck me, we saw the zebras would be right beside each other, one facing this way, one facing the other way, and then they'd be resting their heads down, looking this way for danger, the other one looking the other way, working like friends, working like they were teens. And we noticed the wildebeest, the zebras, the impalas, then there'd be birds flying around, landing on them, all cohabitating in harmony. And I couldn't help but look at that and think, oh, couldn't we learn from them? They're getting along. What about people of different faiths? Why do we have such a hard time getting along? One of the great gifts of, of a trip like this is that 
you yourself often grow and change as a result, always grow and change as a result. So finally, tell us a little bit about how, how you experienced that too. Oh, there were so many experiences, but uh, near the end of the trip, we flew to, to Zanzibar, an island in the Indian Ocean that is part of Tanzania. We, turned, we toured the main city of Stonetown, uh, which was uh, ruled by Great Britain until 1963 as a colony. Stonetown was the world's last open slave market that closed, believe it or not, in 1873. It was a sobering to visit the Anglican Church of Christ that stands on the site of the slave market. The former whipping post, used to determine the metal of the slaves up for sale, is marked at the altar of this very moving church by a white marble circle surrounded by red to symbolize the blood of the slaves. We also toured the underground rooms where slaves were kept in sweltering heat while awaiting transport. That in a sculpture that you saw on the slides depicting the slaves was a sobering reminder of the past as well as the prevalence of slavery that exists in our world today. Uh, also, I think another thing that was really meaningful to us was our visit to the Boma, which is a Maasai for house. And we uh, went to the Boma of a girl that Mike Headley is sponsoring uh, at the Maasai Girls School. We were, uh, we were greeted by the Maasai women in their finery and their jewels and their bright clothing. And uh, it was a reminder to me and to us that uh, their simple home of sticks and cow dung with a battery for occasional power did not define their happiness. Their life is very hard and very simple, with women walking daily to collect water for the day, carrying it on their heads to their families. Their culture is such that even with so little, that relationships and community are of the highest value and was notable in their joy and welcoming us in traditional clothing and song feeding us a simple meal of stew, rice, and vegetables, and a community dance session where we all tried to take part. <laughs> and it was a reminder that what is good comes from the human heart that rejoices not in things, but in the commandment to love your neighbor as yourselves. I was told that this trip would be a life-changing experience. It truly was in so many ways that I'm still digesting. I like the way she said we tried to dance. They asked us to dance. And you have to remember, a lot of them were kind of like young teenagers or whatnot. And, and we're Lutherans, not real, you know, comfortable with that. And they, oh, come on, come on. And then one of them put a thing around my neck, her neck piece, and then wanted us to join in. And then we had cell phones for taking pictures, and then they're filming it. They're taping it all. So if you see it online, just remember, we did it in good, good faith. I was surprised, first of all, at the beauty of Africa. I'd kind of been thinking that it would all be more of the fat, flat grasslands, but in Tanzania, there's lots of mountains as well and forests. In fact, the Boma that we visited was up a long, bumpy road, and when you got to her home, you looked out on the valley, and it was just a beautiful, peaceful place. So that was a learning experience for me, just the physical beauty of that. The poverty was extreme in places, and that's hard to see. Looking at how little they have, but also how determined the people are. I saw so many, especially women, that were sitting out in front of a shop or along the road 
with a small shelf just selling a few items. Maybe it's fruit or maybe it's something that we saw people with selling sunglasses and things, but they're determined to care for their families. And I was in awe of how they're doing that. We have so many blessings that we take for granted here. We came home and we look at the water. We just turn on the water and don't think anything about it. She talked about carrying water as a daily chore. That's one of Helen's chores at home with her family, fetching the water. We saw children carrying water. We saw you know, women carrying water. We saw women carrying huge sticks, packages of sticks so that they can do their cooking. Life is not easy for many, many people there. I've long felt that we are commanded to follow God's commandments, to love one another, to love thy neighbor as thyself. Then you stop and you think, well, what is my neighbor? Is that the person who lives right next door to me? Is my neighbor the people that are in Kirkland or in Washington State or in the United States? But I've come to feel like really our neighbor is much greater, much broader than that. These people in Tanzania, I consider my neighbors. I think about this song, We Are Called. We are called to act with justice. We are called to love tenderly. We are called to serve one another, to walk humbly with God. It was a real gift to get to hear the story today and to know that one of the beauties of being church together is that we can be present in Tanzania through you and our brothers and sisters in Tanzania can come to us through you. And so we are thankful for that. We look forward to hearing more and seeing more. Would you join me in saying thank you to Pastor Mary Allison? Susan.